Good morning. I'm Pastor Eric. I get to be the pastor here. I just want to say, uh, so glad to see you this morning. Let's try this. I'm excited to be here. How about you? Uh, can we give the band a hand? That was uh, pretty good, right? Man, that was phenomenal. That is awesome. Uh, thank you for joining us, whether it's your first time or you've been coming for a while. I want to say welcome. Uh, we're in this series called Relationship Goals. And I have to admit, I'm a little paranoid preaching this series. See, a year ago, we preached through the book of the Song of Solomon as a relationship series. And a year ago, I was absolutely convinced that we were done having kids. Um, and then I preached through the book of Song of Solomon, and a year later, we have another baby, uh, four kids. So I'm really hoping that, um, you know, if God wants to give us one more, okay, fine. But uh, that, you know, no more unexpected blessings uh, in our family. But maybe in your heart, in your family, God's going to do something unexpected. And I believe that you are not here by an accident, I believe that God has something for you. Maybe it's a pregnancy, maybe not. But I believe that God has a message for you. And I'm so excited to see what God is going to do this morning. Well, we're in part four of a five-part message series called Relationship Goals. What we're trying to do is give people who are not married, but maybe want to get married, maybe for the first time, for the second time, or the third time, some goals, some skills that when you do get married again, or for the first time, you have a foundation to build a strong and healthy marriage. We also want to help equip and train those who are married. Maybe your marriage is going great, and you're just looking for just ways to, to take that next step. Or maybe this morning you'd say, honestly, our marriage is really struggling. We've kind of lost that fire that we had, and we're just kind of holding on, and, and we need some help. Our desire is that wherever you are, that God will do something in you this morning. All right, we'll do a little audience participation this morning. All right, how many of you are not married right now? You're single. How many of you are not married? Raise your hands up. Okay, yeah, quite a few. Yeah, we got it. Okay, how many of you now are married? Go ahead and raise your hands up. Yeah, yeah, good. All right, how many of you plan on committing adultery someday? Raise your hands. How many of you plan on being addicted to pornography someday? Not many hands. All right, maybe that's a little too serious. How many of you plan on one day having an emotional affair? You know, you're not going to act on it, but you're just going to give your heart away to someone else. Yeah, no hands. See, but the statistics say that half of marriages are going to have some kind of unfaithfulness in them. Half of marriages... See, no one plans to be unfaithful, but it happens to half of marriages. And I want you to know that if your marriage has experienced unfaithfulness, God can overcome that. God can heal it. It will be hard. It will be a long, long journey. But our God is a God of healing, of, of helping you overcome that. And maybe some of you have come from a broken marriage where you experience unfaithfulness and now you find yourself single. Well, our hope is that we can give you some hope and healing if you have experienced that in your marriage and if you haven't, to get you to set the right kind of goals in your marriage, to put the right kind of work into your relationships so you don't experience that, what half of all marriages experience. I wanna encourage you this morning to take some notes. You have, you have a note sheet in your page and we give you that so that we, you don't just hear a message. 
We want to give you a life of transformation, not just some information on a Sunday morning. And if you can hear it, if you can write it down, discuss it with your small group of some friends, that'll help get those truths down deep into your heart. If you're taking notes, you can write that down, that no one plans to be unfaithful. No one walks down the aisle on their wedding day saying, you know what, someday I'm going to cheat on my spouse. No one thinks on their wedding day, I'm going to hide a decades-long addiction to pornography. No one plans to be unfaithful, but half of marriages do this. It's a big deal. For those of you who are not yet married, maybe you're thinking, well, you know, it doesn't really matter right now if I've got this kind of some secret sins in the darkness. Once I meet my two, we talked about how God is our one and our spouse is our two. Once I meet my two, I'll get things together. But as your pastor, I want you to understand that it all matters we need to recognize that it's very difficult to build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. That if you're single right now, now's the time to build the kind of foundation so that you can have that life of righteousness. Because it's very difficult to build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. The way we live today affects all the areas of our life, and especially our marriage relationships. God is the one who created marriage. God is the one who created us. God is the one who created our relationships. And God's desire is that a husband and a wife could experience close intimacy and friendship as a reflection of the community and relationship that our triune God has always experienced. Our God is one, but he is three. And it's hard to wrap our minds around that, but our God has always existed in community. Our God is a God of community, a God of relationships. And God created us in his image, designed to live in community and relationships. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. We're going to look at Genesis 1, 2 this morning. The scriptures will also be here on the side screens. Uh, Before we dive into God's word this morning, would you just join me in praying? God, I thank you that you are a God of relationships. And God, you created us to be in relationship. God, you love us and you desire good things for us. So God, I pray right now that these would be your words. God, that you would use my imperfections, my failings. God, that people could hear the message they need to hear. God, I thank you for hope. I thank you for healing that whatever we're going through, depression, anxiety, adultery, addiction, disease, you are bigger. You are greater. You are stronger. So God, right now, as we spend some time looking at your word, I pray, God, that you would speak to each and every one of us. In the name we pray, amen. In Genesis One, at the very beginning of our story, the beginning of the Bible, in verse 26, it says, then God said, let us, God is community, God is relationship in himself, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Both males and females are created in the image of God, separate but equal, both equally reflect who God is. And this is a community event. This is Father, Son, Holy Spirit loving and dancing with each other. They're loving and being loved. They're enjoying and being enjoyed. They're knowing and being known. They're delighting and being delighted in one another. 
John 1.18 says it this way, no one has seen God at any time, the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him. It talked about how Jesus, the word became flesh, came. And Jesus came from the Father. And the Son is at the bosom of the Father. It's that image of a little child sitting on the couch with their parent, resting their head on the bosom of, their, of, of a parent. That closeness, that relationship over a married couple, cuddling together. That is the image of our God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have been dancing in relationship, in community, forever, always. In Proverbs, other parts of the Bible, it talks about this divine dance, this, this image of God in perfect harmony and community. And so why did God create us? Because God wanted to share this amazing love and relationship that he was experiencing. He said, let us make humans able to give what we give each other, able to love and be loved, to know and be known. Let's make them capable of entering our dance. Do you realize what this means? This is what you and I were created for, to enter into the divine dance of being known of being loved. Is that anything like what most people think of religion, of Christianity? Most people, I think, think Christianity is going to church, saying a few prayers. You're not sure if anyone's listening. Maybe your heart swells when you hear an amazing song or see a sunset. But you think, well, is that all there is? Is that all there is to religion and Christianity? No, you were called into his arms. You are invited into the divine dance. You are called into an assurance of his love to snuggle in close like a parent snuggling his little child, like two lovers embracing. You and I have been made for that kind of relationship with God. Not just a general hoping that someday we can please God and then maybe he'll let us into his heaven. You were made for his arms. You were made for his dance. You were made to be brought into a deep and personal relationship with God to give him love, to feel love. That is what you and I were made for. We're created to experience a kind of intimacy with our creator and also in our marriages. In Genesis chapter two, verse 18, it says, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. God creates amazing oceans and mountains and trees and all the beauty of creation. And he creates Adam, and he puts him in paradise. And everything is perfect. And then God says, it's not good. For the very first time, God says, it's not good. Genesis lays out some pretty radical implications. In paradise, Adam our forefather, was lonely. But why? He was in paradise. He had great food, power, comfort, beauty. The earth was his own personal CrossFit gym. He could do whatever he wanted. He had everything, unlimited fishing, hiking, hunting. He also had a terrific prayer life. There was no sin between him and God. He walked with God. He could talk with God, but still, he's unhappy because he's lonely, because he needs community. And honestly, it's, 
staggering to think about. That on purpose, God created us so that we have such a deep desire for other people that not even paradise could satisfy us. Not even a perfect quiet time with the best prayer time and the best journaling, the best personal worship time ever can fully satisfy us. Are you ready for this? I'm gonna say something so radical that some of you might think I'm a heretic. But God designed us for such a strong need for relationships with other people that not even God himself could satisfy us all by himself. It was just Adam and God. And God says, this is not good. Now that's mind-boggling to me because I know we talk a lot, God is enough, God is more than enough, and he is. But God created us in his image as a community, as a relationship unto himself. And we will not reflect our creator until we experience relationships the way that he experiences relationships. Why on earth would God do this? Because the meaning of life is relationships. There are so many things that God wants to show us that can only be seen through other humans, through a relationship with God. See, paradise wasn't paradise without love, without friendships. What are the implications of this? See, the world says, do you want a life of beauty and success and power and meaning? Then you need to put relationships on the back burner. Move around. Take that job in that other city. Leave behind your friendships and relationships. Put in so many hours at work that you won't be able to see your family and friends. Relationships have to be on the back burner if you want to succeed in life. That's what the world tells us. Put those relationships behind you so you can succeed. You can accomplish what you want. But the Bible says, no, paradise wasn't paradise without friendship, without love, without community. Paradise wasn't paradise without relationships. The Bible says, don't you dare try to build a life without putting personal relationships as a priority. You can't be who you're supposed to be without community because we are created in the image of a God who is relationship. Verse 21, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he brought, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last At last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. How do we live in those kind of relationships that God created us for? Verse 25 is the key. They were naked and unashamed. That's the key to the relationships. They were transparent. They didn't need to spin. They weren't afraid of exposure. They were completely at ease with themselves. They had a stable identity. They knew who they were. How do we get that kind of intimacy that we're created for? Or if you're taking notes, purity paves the way for intimacy. That purity paves the way for intimacy. And that goal of purity comes from Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 through 25. Adam and Eve were both naked and they felt what? No shame. 
They were both naked and felt no shame. That word for shame comes from the Hebrew word bush, and it means to be ashamed or to feel completely worthless. They were naked and didn't have any sense of, oh, this is funny, giggling, this is inappropriate, this is wrong, i got to cover myself up. There wasn't any sense of anything dirty about it. They were naked, free, and felt zero shame. But then what happens? Sin enters the world, and shame comes with sin. What happens when we miss the mark and sin? We feel unworthy. We feel unlovable. We feel embarrassed. We feel dirty. We feel like we need to hide whenever shame enters our world. But that's not how God intended it to be. In the garden, Adam and Eve were naked and didn't feel any shame. They were completely exposed, completely vulnerable, totally innocent. Reminds me of my three-year-old Andrew, who loves running around naked. And he does a little naked dance, and it's hilarious. And that's fine as a little kid, but as adults, we grow up, and we know we have to hide. We can't run around naked emotionally with each other. But in the garden, it was totally innocent, and there was no shame. What, what happened from this place of, of zero shame, where they could be totally transparent before God and before each other, If you know the story, Adam and Eve were naked and felt no shame, and then the serpent came along and tempted them to sin. And Eve gave in, and Adam did nothing. And the next thing you know, sin enters the world. Nothing to stop her, and he participates with her. The sin of passivity. And suddenly, what do they feel? They feel shame. They feel self-conscious. It says, the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they figured sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And that's when Adam said, you know, it's time. Someone needs to wear the plants in the family. That was just for Bradley. Thank you. But they made coverings for themselves out of plants. And the Lord God calls out to them. And God says, where are you? Because they're hiding And Adam answered and says, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. What did God do? He called out to him and Adam and Eve, they hid. Isn't that what happens today though? Like you find your kid like hiding in the corner or something. You're like, did you get into the chocolate? And they have chocolate all over their face. Like, no, no, I didn't do that, you know? Or maybe you have a a toddler and you see them like back into the corner and you're like, are you doing a dookie over there? Like, you know, like, you know, and it's like, no, no, no. It's the same thing in our personal relationships, like, Hey, how's it going? You know, how is it? You know, I know you went on your third, fourth, fifth date. Oh, I, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. You know, how, how's life really in your marriage? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. No, really, how's your relationship with God? No, I'm good. I'm good. And we hide from our relationships because we feel shame. We feel guilt. And we hide in the darkness. Because we feel such a profound sense of shame. So it happens when we feel wrong. We miss the mark of how God created us to act and we feel shame. What does shame do? Shame is Satan's tool of connecting the act to our identity. See, Satan says, you did something bad, therefore you are bad. Our enemy, our accuser, wants to link us from the action that we did that was wrong to our identity so that we feel that weight of shame and guilt. 
Instead of I messed up and did something wrong, we say I am wrong, I am dirty. And that is what our enemy wants for us. But see, God says, no, you may mess up, you may fall down, you may sin, but it's not who you are. I think so often in our marriages we think, I can't let you know what I did because then I'm a bad person. I can't let you know that I'm struggling because then I don't think you're going to love me. I can't let you know what I'm going through because I just can't trust that you can handle that. And instead of increasing intimacy through truth, we live in secrecy so often in our marriages, in our relationships. If you're taking, write this down, that secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. That secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. Our enemy's desire for us is that we would live with secrets. I can't let my husband know that I spent this much money on that. I can't let my wife know that when I was on that business trip, I watched that movie. I, I, I can't open up to my close friends that I have doubts about God because then I'm a dirty, worthless, shameful person. But secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. And we were designed to live in open, perfect, vulnerable relationships with God and with others. Let's look at our relationship goals so far in our series. Number one, we learned that God will be my first priority and my spouse will be my second. We talked about how we need to get our priorities in line, that God has to be first, but then number two is our spouse, before work, before kids, before everything else. God is my one, my spouse is my two. Week number two, we said, I will promise to always pursue my two. I'm not gonna take it for granted, this person who fell in love with me five, 10, 15, 30 years ago, but said, I'm gonna always pursue my two, my spouse. Last week, Justin Rowland did an awesome job talking about saying that together we will partner in our purpose. God designed us for a purpose and we will discover our purposes and also together we'll move forward in that. And then this week, our goal is I promise to confide in you and not hide from you. I promise to confide in you and not hide from you. Let's say this all together, ready? I promise to confide in you and not hide from you. One more time. I promise to confide in you and not hide from you. Now this, if you're married, is in the context of your marriage. If you're not married, I, I hope and pray that you can have a true friend, not just someone on Facebook that you've never met, someone that you have cried with, that you have laughed with, that can be a true friend, And in that true friendship, you can say, I promise I will not hide, I will confide in you. We need relationships like that. Ephesians 5, 8 speaks to the darkness and light in our lives. It says, for one time you were in darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Those of us who are followers of Jesus, we were once in darkness Before we followed him, we were in darkness. We were separated from God by our sins. But then God saved us and brought us into his kingdom of light. But see, the problem is that sometimes as Jesus followers, even though spiritually we're forgiven, sometimes we step back into ongoing sin. 
Spiritually, we've been made new. And God doesn't hold our sins against us because of the grace of God and what Jesus did on the cross. But practically, we step back into darkness. Positionally, we're right with, with Jesus. But practically, we're still sinning and living in darkness. It's like going to a movie. You know, the first time, if you're out in the lobby and it's bright or you're outside or maybe you come into the gym, and the first time you step into darkness, it's kind of shocking and it takes a while for your eyes to adjust. But then what happens? Your eyes adjust to it and it just becomes kind of normal until you step back out into the lobby of the movie theater or step outside and then the brightness is, is shocking. I think there's some of you are followers of Jesus. But you've creeped into dark places, maybe with some habits, some things you've let slide, and you just become accustomed to it, and your eyes and your soul has adjusted. And my hope and my desire is that you will bring those dark things into the light, as shocking as it might be. Sometimes in your marriage, when things aren't working, you don't even realize it because you've drifted into darkness and you've just adjusted. Ephesians 5, 8 through 11 says, For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the full fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. That's what you want for your marriage. That's what you want for every area of your life. Find out what pleases the Lord. Apostle Paul says, have nothing to do with unfruitful deeds of darkness, rather than expose them. Earlier in the chapter, he says, not let even a hint of sexual immorality be in your life. Don't hide them, expose them, have nothing to do with them. Why? Because you will never find healing in the dark. Shame grows in the dark. Healing happens in the light. Have nothing to do with deeds of darkness. Expose them. How do we find the kind of intimacy and community that we're designed for? See, it's, it's hard. That's the problem. It's really, really tough. I think so many of us believe we can only get love if we control what other people see we don't let people see the real us. Why is that that we feel this need to hide? It's because of sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, everything changed. They became ashamed and felt the need to cover up, to hide. And deep down in our hearts, we know that something is wrong with us. Even if you don't believe the story of Adam and Eve and creation and talking serpents and magic trees, you know Deep down, there's something fundamentally wrong with yourself, and so you hide and you try to cover up. The thing about our God, the triune Trinity God, is that they've, they know each other to the bottom and they still love each other. And that's what we long for, to have someone truly know us and still love us because we were made in the image of a God like that. See, when someone who doesn't know you says, man, I really like you, it feels pretty good. But when someone knows your strengths, your weaknesses, has seen 
the darkness inside of you and they still say, man, you're one of the finest people that I know. I love you. Man, it's like drinking fine wine. It's like our heart swells. Why? Because when someone truly knows us and still loves us, that's what we were made for. But still we think we can't let someone in to know us, even our spouses. We don't want people to see us, to see our flaws. What you and I need is spiritual cover. What you need to know is this, that on the cross, Jesus was crucified. Did you know he was crucified naked? He was stripped naked, the ultimate humiliation. Why would he do that for us? To pay the price for our sin and for our shame on the cross. And there it is that Jesus' nakedness on the cross can be your cover. Why would he do that? Because he loves you. Didn't he see us for who we are, all our brokenness and all our flaws and all the junk inside of our hearts? Yes, but he loves us anyways. He sees all our brokenness, all our flaws, all our sin, all our shame. And still, he loves us, not just loves us. He so loves us. He went to the cross to pay the price that we could not pay. See, we're all messed up and broken and filled with shame. We try to hide, but it's no good. But Jesus, the perfect son of God, paid the price for our sins, for our mistakes, so that our guilt and shame can be removed forever. If you take that into the midst of your life, if you believe in Christ and choose to follow him, for him to be the leader of your life, then you can be naked and unashamed before God. And you can say, I know I'm a sinner, but I'm covered and loved because of Jesus. If you can believe in Christ's nakedness on the cross for your sake, you can be naked before God. You can go have the power to go into the world unashamed. You can be transparent because you don't need anyone else's approval because you know that God sees you and God loves you. God knows you down to the depths and the crags and crannies of your heart and still he loves you and that will give you the strength to be open and vulnerable and transparent. Jesus was stripped so that you and I could be covered. Jesus' nakedness can be our cover. That's the key to having the kind of relationship that we were designed to have with God and with others. You and I don't heal in the dark. What do we do? We confess our sins to God and we confess our sins to other people. I'm gonna invite Curtis. Come on up. He's just gonna play quietly behind me. We confess our sins to God for forgiveness. And then we confess our sins to others for healing. We confess our sins to God for forgiveness. And he, it says, the Bible says, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, from all sin, from all, all shame. But I want to encourage you to take the next step 
And if you're married, to open up to your spouse, to confess those things that you've been hiding in the darkness because shame grows in the dark, but healing happens in the light. You don't heal in the dark. Secrets are the enemy of intimacy. And maybe today, you're gonna get to the place where you say, I'm in a place where I need help. You need to find someone you can open up to. Confess to God and then find someone to confess to, to get healing, to get hope. See, things grow in the darkness. But when we bring them out of the darkness, when we name them, when we confess it, they lose power in our life. And those of you in this room who are gonna be on the receiving end of a confession, maybe this week, I know it's gonna hurt. And maybe you're gonna wanna throw something or yell or curse because you will be hurt. But if your spouse has the courage to say, I need help, I'll be praying for you this week that God will give you the ability to receive a confession with grace, with supernatural strength from God so that together you can move forward. Maybe you're single and you've been struggling with something that you don't want to name. Who you are on Friday night is different than who you are on Sunday morning or Monday at the office. You know that thing, whatever it is, maybe it's coming to your mind right now. I want to encourage you, find someone you can trust. Start by confessing to God. He will forgive you. He's faithful and just. And then find someone to open up to. Because we were not designed to do life alone. We were designed to do life in relationship in community and the truth will set you free sometimes you have to press through the pain of dealing with truth to get to healing on the other side maybe there's some of you in this room that you are scared because you know if you bring that thing to light if you name it then you're going to have to deal with it maybe you know it's easier just to have this little Addiction over here. It's not really hurting anyone. But right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and saying, no, I want every area of your life and heart because I want what's best for you. And what's best for you is not holding on and having this one thing over here. See, so often I think we can say, yes, God, take all of me. But then, well, but, but not this one thing. This is, this is what I, I need to cope with, you know, because the kids are hard. Or, or my marriage is really lonely. Or, you know, I'm single again. I didn't think I was going to be single again after being married for 10 years. So I, I just need this one thing over here, God. Don't take this. But God says, no, give it all to me so you can find healing. And you can feel the openness that you can maybe breathe for the first time as you feel his grace and love. But it starts with a relationship with God.
I'm gonna invite those who have not crossed that line of faith to putting your hope and trust in Jesus and in him alone. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts, we will be born again, we will be saved, adopted into his family, we will be moved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, we'll be able to experience a relationship with God that is open and we can say, you know what, it doesn't matter what else says because God loves me and knows me and, and my shame is covered by what Jesus did on the cross. And when God sees us, he sees us through the lens of Jesus and what Jesus has done. And the resume of Jesus gets credited to us, his righteousness. If you would like that, I wanna invite you to respond this morning. Can I invite just every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed? If you say, Eric, I have not made that decision to follow Jesus. I don't feel like Jesus is covering me and so that I can know God. I want to invite you to respond. And I believe right now the Holy Spirit is speaking in your life. And God is calling you home. And here at Mosaic, we want to help you find your way back to God. If you'd like to respond, I believe that when we respond physically, what's going on in the inside, it makes it all the more real. And so the count of three, I just want to invite you to respond by just raising your hand and say, God, I want to follow you. I want to receive Jesus' forgiveness on the cross as covering for my sin and my shame so that I can be open and transparent before you, God, so I can be fully loved and fully known without any shame. At the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand. One, God loves you. Two, you'll never be the same. Three, raise your hands if you want to respond to the free gift of Jesus. I see that hand. Thank you. Is there anyone else this morning? If you're making that decision, just pray with me. God, I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes. I'm not perfect. God, I confess my need for you, for Jesus, and what he did on the cross. Forgive me. Be the leader of my life and my savior. Thank you, God, for welcoming me into your family. Amen. The Bible says that if you put your faith and trust in Christ and you make Jesus the leader of your life, that you will be saved and you move from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Just give a hand for those who made that tough decision this morning to do that. Thank you. For the rest of you, I want to encourage you as hard as it might seem right now, and maybe your heart's beating fast and you're scared, but there's something that you need to open up to someone about. It may not be an affair. It may not be an addiction. It may just be, you know what? I've been trying to, to, to be strong, but I haven't showed you everything about me. And you know what? I'm really scared. I don't know how we're going to pay our bills next month. Maybe you just need to share something that you've been holding back. Maybe it's just, hey, can we have a conversation? I, I, I have this, this, this resentment in my heart towards you, and, 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 and I know it's going to keep growing if I don't open up about it. Bring it to the light.
Shame grows in the darkness. Healing happens in the light. So what are we going to do? We'll say, I will not, I'm going to confide in you and not hide from you. I'm going to confide in you all that I am and not hide from you so that we can be known and loved. Would you stand with me? Oh, hi. There's a superhero on stage. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we're so glad that you are here. Um, uh, as we head out uh, after service, there's a number of superheroes that you can... Uh, oh, my wife's going to talk about it. Give it up for my lovely and beautiful super wife, Kristen. All right. Welcome to so many of you who have come today uh, who we didn't know before today. We're so happy that you're here. And I just wanted to give a little explanation because we do have a lot of kids who are really excited about taking some pictures out there. So what you'll do now is you'll take your ticket that you got at check-in. You'll go pick up your kids. And they should get a little bag of candy if you don't want them to have that. Good luck getting it out of their little paws. But um, they will be offered that. And then we have the princesses and superheroes grouped in little stations all throughout out here. So you can just lead your kid to all the stations if you want, none of the stations if you want. But if they want a picture with Jasmine and Aladdin or um, Anna and Kristoff or Iron Man and Batman, they're all going to be out there just in little groups around the area. So there are going to be a lot of people in these hallways, but we ask that you just bear with us and have patience and just have a blast letting your kids meet these these fun characters so thank you for joining us today uh as we go out of here come on uh may you know that god doesn't just love you he so loves you he sees everything about you the dark parts the light parts your strengths or weaknesses and he still loves you he still wants a relationship with you and here at mosaic we want to help you find your way back to god and to grow in a relationship with him we're so glad that you are here have a great week we'll see you next sunday